These are the people who traded in their chips and changed their minds, all in the name of fresh air. And we're letting these folks interview each other. Each week, student becomes teacher, interviewee becomes interviewer. I'm Nick Mott, host of the show, and this is Take It From Me, the podcast from REI, your source for outdoor gear, classes, and experiences. I really, really don't like the cold. If I'm going outside, I know even if I bundle up, my hands will hurt and my ears will get cold and my nose will start running. If it's a little chilly outside or a little stormy, I'd just stay in. Heck, I'll just go to the gym today, I think. But Giselle Cecine doesn't seem to care about any of that. Giselle's a mountaineer and she was the first Venezuelan woman to summit Denali. Despite two major medical setbacks, she's attempted some of the world's highest and most beautiful peaks. Last episode, Sarah Ewell talked about the role of art in the great outdoors. If you're feeling helpless and you don't know what to do, maybe the most important thing to do is to go be outside and be with the land and and let the land talk to you. As Sarah and Giselle hiked up to a high point in the mountains, they got to know each other a little bit. And yes, Sarah is going to interview me now, which is, you know, kind of strange for me because I will usually be asking questions. So let's see how this goes. (laughs) Before I ask you all my curious questions, I just want to know what makes you tick. I think adventure, being able to like, you know, feel my heart pumping, seeing beautiful places and pushing myself to the limits, I think that's it. As the sun set over the Rocky Mountains, Sarah and Giselle talked about injury, ego, and starting over. So were you an athlete growing up? Yeah, I I never like saw myself as an athlete in terms that since I was a kid, my first sport was golf. Really? Yeah, yeah which is, yeah, people will be like, you know, why are you coming mountains? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and swimming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I've always, like, every time I remember, like, coming home after school and just, like, try, wanted to, like, go out and play and, you know, be on my mountain bike or just be outside and, you know, like, playing. So I, I saw it more of, like, a play thing and, and to be active. And, uh, yeah, I think I fall in love with sports since, like, day one. So at what age did you start mountaineering? High altitude mountaineer a few years ago. And yeah, so I always kind of like loved going for hikes. And like then, you know, since I, I love to push my limits, I kind of like start thinking, hey, I can go up that mountain. So it was a progression. And yeah, and well, when I when I decided that I wanted to go to, to like a really, really high place like Everest, that was in, back in 2001. At the time, was the first and only Venezuelan expedition that you know that went to Everest, and I remember I was in high school, and like I would like go back home after school, and I, I would like go and look at you know radio stations or whatever to see where these guys were. So they were like heroes to me. And at that time, I was 14. I promised myself that I, one day I was gonna go to Everest. Do you still have that promise to yourself? Well, I went. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't finish uh, what I, what I was, you know, there to do. It's been really hard to like cope with failure Mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of people will tell you like, hey, I mean, you were there, like you were up high in the mountain, you almost got it. But like when you work hard in something and you sacrifice so much things to, to make it, uh, it's failure, period. Even though I know that I that I did everything that I could and I have no regrets in how I handled the situation and how I trained for it, uh, it I, every day 
I will, you know, look myself in the mirror and I'll say, I fail. <laughs> yeah, so you want it still? I don't know if I want it. I don't want to go there because it's something that I have in a bucket list. Yeah. When I went there, I had dreams yeah. to be there. I have the desire mm -hmm. to be there. I had the passion to be there. And once, you know, what's difficult is like, you have this dream for 15 years and when you get to a place you realize that it's not what you thought for 15 years mm -hmm. I don't know if it's desire if I want to go there or if it's just because I couldn't do it mm -hmm. and I want to prove myself or others and I think that's the yeah. biggest problem of this trying to prove others no I totally understand and it makes me want to ask you what is your dream now or what is it shaping into wow my dream now I had a heart surgery back in 2012. And when I got that surgery, I remember recovering a few hours after the surgery, the doctor came and told me like, hey, the life that you have been living, I mean, it's gone. Like you're never gonna be able to like exercise for more than an hour. You're, not, you're never gonna be able to go to, into high altitude. So after that, I started like training and trying to like prove him wrong and prove people wrong. And that, that, I, that I could, that the heart was a muscle and that you could train it mm. and that you could train wow. your mind to like do the things that, that you desire. Yeah. And in Everest, I got sick and it was related to the heart, which I thought it was totally over and yeah. that I was healthy. And, and then I realized that I was not. So something from my past came to like haunt me. And so I think my dream right now is just every time I go out and play or like when I say play, it's like climbing, training, heavy pack training or whatever. It's just like feeling, you know, mm. feeling the heartbeat, yeah. feeling like my lungs, like you know, pumping is just, I think, just the dream of, of like feeling alive. So I think like my dream right now is a sensation. <laughs> yeah. And so you're open to that being through climbing mountains or through anything else? I mean, climbing mountains is because I, I love it. I love it for so many reasons. I love the challenge. I love being able to like, while you're suffering, you're also suffering, but you're like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Like, I, you know, I can't believe where I am. And, and when you're there, you, you have this feeling that you are like so small and you are like, you know, just the environment or, or, or the mountain. It's, it's the queen or the king, however you, you want to call it. I'm like drinking that in a little bit. So you, you summoned a Denali. Yeah. And was this after Everest? It was before, and every time you I hear the Denali name, it's like it will bring a smile to me for so many reasons. Denali left me so many things, not only a summit. And you never think about like when you made it to a top. You think about all the progress that got you to a top and the people that you share it with. And that, that, that is why Denali was so special to me, especially because when I was in Venezuela and I said to my friends, hey, I'm going to Denali, they all told me, you're crazy, that is not a mountain for women, that's a mountain for men, that, you know, you have to, like, carry so much weight, you won't be able to do it, like, no Venezuelan woman have ever, have ever tried it. So, yeah, so I went to an alley, and I remember, like, I think I was, like, 15 feet to the summit, and I couldn't, I thought that I was not going to make it. And when I made it, I remember I cried, like, yeah. I cried like a baby in the summit. I was impressed of the human will when you set your mind into doing something and you work for it yeah. things do come true Absolutely. will you share with me about the accident the accident so a year ago i was in argentina like full of dreams you know life was perfect i was feeling super strong and i was feeling like unbeatable like i could do anything and i remember we were in camp two because we tried to go for the summit and which mountain aconcagua so we got, you know, bad weather and we were like going kind of alpine style. So we went to camp two because we were like 
crashing somebody's kitchen. And while we were there, we were, you know, a group of, of, of British. There were like nine and then three guides from the mountain. And well, anyway, something happened and there was fire. And the guy that was on next the on no on the tent on the kitchen tent, okay. which was like a dome, like a big tent that oh. you know you can fit like ten, twelve people there. Like a camp stove fire. Yeah, camp stove fire, exactly. The things that you never think. I mean, I always thought that I was gonna get frostbite in a mountain, but <laughs> never, never, never fire. So I saw this guy is trying to melt water. Anyway, so he was like burning white gas, and he dropped the white gas and. Everything was on fire. And I remember seeing, you know, flames everywhere in the, you know, other roof, just everywhere. And he was on fire. So I kind of like jumped to like try to save him. And then I was on fire too. So after that, I remember getting getting out of, a, of the dome and I was running because I thought that it was going to explode. And I was on fire. And I obviously I didn't see my flames. But people told me that they were huge. Then Willie Venegas is running towards me because he was in a tent and he came running and like literally tackled me to a floor and started, like, started beating me up. And yeah, I was literally beat up after that. And then I remember that I was getting burned, like literally burned alive. And I was like asking him, am I going to be able to go to Nepal? Am I going to be able to go Aww. to Nepal? And so at that time, I thought that that was like, it was my mindset. But yeah. then you realize that you do, or in my case, I was obsessed. So after the fire, we had to wait for a few hours because the wind was so strong and the helicopters couldn't like fly there. And I remember that was the worst, worse than pain, worse than it was just not knowing what was going to happen, if they were going to be able to like fly out of the mountain, if I was going to be there with that huge burn, like waiting for days, I just didn't know. So no knowing is the worst. Two hours after, I remember the helicopter came and well, the doctor told me, so because the first thing I told him is like, I didn't even ask him like how bad it is. I just asked him like, hey, am I going to be able to go to Nepal in April? So this, this was in January 4th. So he told me like, no. There's no way you're, you're not going to make it. I mean, you're going to be, this is a horrible burn. It's going to take you months to recover. And you, I mean, you won't be able. So I remember when he told me that, I was just like destroyed, devastated. I'm like, oh my God, like I've been like working so hard for this and now it's, it's gone. And I just can, you know, can do anything about it. So next day I talked to the doctor again and he's like, well, there, there's a way to do it but it's going to be super painful. So with burns, you have two options. One is to go into the OR, they'll like put you in anesthesia, and then they'll clean it and scratch it or whatever they have to do, and they'll let you rest for three days and you'll be back and so on. But that will take longer for you to recover. The other way was gonna be painful and crazy. So I went into the OR 11 times straight, day after day, no anesthesia. Oh, because wow. I didn't want to be in the clinic and I and with 11 days of anesthesia that will have like kill all my yeah. all my fitness <laughs> I think I lost I lost my mind in the yeah. process oh. it was so painful it was so painful what are they doing they're just treating the burn there no they were like cleaning it and then they will like the doctor will he will take a scalpel and oh. start scratching it like and you had no pain no no pain. nothing not no, even a no local no 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 nothing 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 yeah. Because you were thinking about Everest. I was obsessed. I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed not only with, with that. 
I used to have like a lot of followers, Instagram followers, and I was like just thinking and obsessed, like, what am I going to like tell them that I got burned? And so I remember that I was like struggling with the most horrible pain that I've ever felt in my life. And I was posting pictures. So like, I'm, you know, I'm strong. I'm doing great. This is great. So I was like, you mean portray- pictures from other times? No, no, no. Pictures like of, of me. You yeah, of me. Like I don't in know. The hospital. Yeah, in the hospital. In the hospital, or you know, just like posting stuff that I was like strong, that I was fine, that I was nothing. So I didn't never let wow. my I allow myself to heal mentally. I was yeah. healing physically, but I was not healing mentally, and I didn't know that. And I didn't realize it. I mean, I couldn't sleep at night. I could like feel the flames. I could feel the heat. I could smell the wow. smell of, of burning wow. flesh. And when I got wow. to Everest, it got really bad in terms of like, I think like all of the PSTD just like uh-huh. shocked me there. Yeah. And it was just like, I remember going, wow. to, going to bed in my tent and I could like have these nightmares. Did you have a confidant through all of this? A very close friend? Uh, yeah. Yes, I know. I didn't tell anyone until after I got back from Everest that I was still struggling with the burns and, and, and with the accident. And no, I just told everyone that I was like, okay, that that was nothing, wow. that I was a badass. And, and yeah, and now I do talk about it. And I like kind of like tell, yeah, it was a horrible time. It was like terrifying. It was so painful. And I pushed myself too hard to like recover and be ready. Mm-hmm. And I was physically, I was ready, but mentally wow. I was not. Who are you now? I think I'm in a very good place right now. I am a more private person. Mm-hmm. I am doing things for myself. Yeah. I don't feel pressure at all by yeah. anyone than myself yeah. right now, which is good. Yeah. And yeah, I just feel it's just like more sincere and just in a good place trying to train and to become better every day and become the fitter that I can be yeah. and the strongest that I can be, but for myself. Wow. Uh, not for like followers or like yeah. you know social media can get to you and it got to me and I think I pay my price <laughs> and yeah so I think I'm in a very good place right now mm-hmm. I'm curious like what you've learned from bottling up all of that and not talking about it and how you know that how that impacted you and your life I think what I learned is that you have I mean you have to be sincere you, you don't have to like play it apart because you think that that is cool or because people are like following you and you don't want to let people down. I think that you if you, if you don't, you're going to actually sell something that is not true. Mm-hmm. And I mean, life, that's the way life is. I mean, mm-hmm. bad things happen, accidents happen, mm-hmm. stuff happens and not everything can be like the way you want, you want it to be. I used to have a lot of followers that would follow me because they saw me as an ordinary person doing cool things. Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, if she's doing this, like I could do it. And I, I, and I like that. I mean, I like like being able to like give people like that, you know, that little spark inside of them. Like, hey, I want to go out and do whatever. Mm-hmm. Somebody like sent to me like, hey, like you were like my inspiration. I used to love watching you do things. I kind of realized that, you know what? This guy was looking up to me, but I was selling something that was not true. Because I was telling them that it is okay to feel powerful and okay after an accident. Mm-hmm. And it's not. What it taught me was just to like talk about things and just like be real. What advice do you have for people maybe who are struggling with a social media addiction? Once you realize how dangerous it can be in so many ways. I mean, 
I think you just need to be you need to be truthful like I was climbing with a friend and he told me oh my god you're so like you're a different the different person I was climbing and I was thinking okay this is a cool shot and I was not thinking that this is a cool shot to be able to no I just wanted to keep for people for my followers to see that I was climbing something badass. Mm-hmm. When I realized that I was not enjoying these moments mm-hmm. because I was like obsessed with getting a good Instagram pictures and thinking how many likes I was gonna get. And that's not the way to live life. I still use social media, but I not use it the way I was using it, mm-hmm. that it was dominating my life. So I don't think, I think social media shouldn't be something that will rule you. You yeah. should rule social yeah. media. Do you feel comfortable being vulnerable now? I do, I do feel comfortable, yeah. This is so neat how, you know, the, there's so many similar themes to the interview that I was just in with Phil. Mm-hmm. And we talked about vulnerability and so many, actually, really, so many overlaps. But your story is completely different. It's, like, really cool. It just comes down to the common denominator of human beings learning about themselves. And sometimes you learn the hard way, but, but, but you learn. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you have to get burned. In order to learn. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I guess you might know. Yeah, I mean, they say don't play do with fire. Do you feel like you're a different person now? I do feel like, I, like I've changed. I think I've, after every good experience in my life or bad experience, I change. So, yeah, definitely I think I'm a completely different person for what I was a year ago. Yeah. I call it like going back to basics. I'm like going back to school. I quit my job and I'm just like trying to like make new things like learn new things produce new things I have new goals uh, after ever I promised myself that I was never gonna put myself in a position again where I could fail because I didn't want to go through that pain and that only lasted for a month because Mm -hmm. after a month I already you know had a goal and now I'm training for it and now you know I have a day for the goal what how do you weave your new professional goals with your new adventure goals or what are they both Okay, so professional, I want to be able to produce stuff for myself because in my old job, I will like be on camera, but I wouldn't be writing things and I, or I wouldn't be filming. So I've been learning. Maybe tell me a little bit about your background. You were a news anchor, is that right? Yeah, I was a news anchor. Yeah, back mm-hmm. home, I will do the news and sports and a little bit of everything back home. Mm-hmm. Go to like interview, you know, politicians, athletes and yeah, and be able to experience what it is like to be a journalist in a really difficult political mm, yeah. situation you know that my country is, is is living right now and in terms of um my sports goal i'm going to alaska and i think you they said there's this quote in spanish that says that you always you always go back to a places where you like fall in love and i think i just fall in love with alaska mm. with you know with the root gorge just the glacier everything so i think i'm, I'm going back there I'm so excited what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to, you know, we're going to be climbing in the Ruth Gorge. We're going to try the Moose's Tooth and stuff that, you know, it might not have the greatness of, of Everest, but it's just magic. I'm so mm. excited about, you know, training again and getting ready. Like I wake up in the morning, like literally, I know it is childish, but I'll be like, oh my God, three months. I'm, I'm going training hard today until like my, I can like, you know, move or whatever. It's just new beginnings, like trying to, to, you know, get into a new like professional role and also new goals. Are you more comfortable with uncertainty now? Well, I will say yes, but then if you see the way my life is, you'll 
perhaps say that there's not a lot of uncertainty in terms that I have everything scheduled and I train and I follow stuff. So yeah, so everybody, you know, I have a goal and, and I know it's March 22nd, so I don't think there's, there's a lot of percent, you know, like stuff out of place in my life. I think I have everything on schedule. And how are, you, how are your burns? Tell me about how your body is. I remember that I thought that I was going to hate them. Mm-hmm. And no, every time I see them, it's just part of who yeah. I am. Yeah. I kind of think like it's like, you know, it's like a whenever if I ever have kids or something, I'll, they'll see them and I'll be like, you know, how I got this. I was 6,000 meters above sea level mm-hmm. climb, trying to climb a mountain. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just part of, of life. And yeah, I don't, I don't see it as like ugly yeah. or whatever. I don't mind getting much scars or whatever. So yeah. Scars are our treasures. I think they are who we are. When I see my burns, I kind of like see the good times and, mm-hmm. you know, and how like I will never forget the warmth of the people in that mountain mm-hmm. when I got burned. Everyone was helping. It was so, so beautiful. Yeah. The support that we got from everyone in the mountain and, and my best friend was living in Chile and gave Lou to Mendoza to be with me. And I felt like so much support and love from everyone. That, yeah, when I see a scar, I'll, I'll see that. I'll remember that. So have you been able to find the same fulfillment that you used to need to, to get to the top of a mountain? You know, the achievement feeling. I'm sure you have a connection with the beauty and the magic of being in the mountains. But is it shifted from needing to be at the top to anywhere on the mountain or below the mountain or beside the mountain? Or is it still kind of reside at the top of the mountain for you? Alaska came to my mind, Denali came to my mind. And I think I've never in my life been as happy as when I, we were like down from the mountain and we were back in Tokina and I was having a hamburger, like a huge one. So I think that actually felt better than the summit. Yeah. So I think that literally they said that base camp or when you're back in, at your mm-hmm. hotel or whatever, it's the real summit. And I think it's true yeah. because you actually get to like feel everything that happened you get to like remember you get to talk to your family and that's the beauty the beautiful thing about to me climbing is to be able to share it with someone to mm-hmm. be able to share it with friends whether it's the summit or not the summit or whatever why do you climb mountains for you i can't show you a picture i can show you a video of a mountain i can tell you a story but you will never know what it is like to have your heart pumping when you are feeling a lot of things you are cold you are feeling the altitude, you are scared. Those are things that you have to be there to feel it. And then you realize like, oh my God, like how amazing the human being can be to be doing things like that. Will you tell me what you feel like you've learned from being up high in the mountains, what those lessons are? It's like poetry to a soul. I know that sounds like a little bit, but it's like that. I mean, I just love seeing beautiful places. Every time that I go and maybe I'm just hiking or whatever, or right now there were enjoying a beautiful sunset it's just like I, I think it's just like makes me feel happy and, and like positive about the world above mm-hmm. about you know about everything what would you do if you couldn't climb mountains anymore i will find a way to climb mountains <laughs> period period the <laughs> <laughs> there is always a way always <laughs> Thank you.
For photos and other stories of opting outside, check out rei.com blog. Next time, hear Giselle talk with Alan Lim, cycling coach and founder of Scratch Labs. This is Take It From Me, the podcast from REI, the co-op that helps you get outside through gear, classes, and experiences. REI is dedicated to protecting the places we play, and they believe that a life outdoors is a life well-lived. I think that's great advice to live by. So get outside and find your next adventure.